Bob, we have a little baptism by fire for you, so to speak. Poor bastard. I want you to handle all the fact-checking and the copy-editing for the new catalog. Uh, could you repeat that? Why don't you handle all the copy-editing? I'm, I'm sorry, what? Copy-editing. <laughs> uh, never mind. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Seinfeldians. And welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We are a Seinfeld podcast where we take a random episode of the show and talk about the secondary characters from it. This week, we are Friars. We're doing the Friars Club. I forgot my jacket, though. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> the one with the crest on it. Yeah, we're on Friars. Friars <laughs> with the moose on it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It just has a moose. If you had a family crest, what would be on it? Um, probably Pasta. A horse. horse. Pasta. <laughs> You're racist. That's not racist. What would you have? A meat pie? Uh, no, I'd warm beer. No, I'm I'm German, so I'd probably have oh. a Stein. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and tell us about your family crest, you can email us at bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media. Our handle is at bidwabask. We are on Patreon as well, so if you want to support us for as little as two bucks a week, sorry, a month, a month. Jeez, a month. I was going to say we're not worth that much. No, surely. no. Jeez, uh, it would cost more than two bucks a week just to go to the Friars Club, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like mem- Friars Club entry, two bucks a week. <laughs> yeah, I think membership. <laughs> oh, actually, if there was a Friars Club and it only cost two bucks a week, I wouldn't want to join it. Nah. To me, that's too low. Too low. For a Friars Club. It's got to be what two hundred a week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the fair price is for a Friars Friars Club, but uh, two <laughs> two bucks a week sounds low. Yeah, but yeah. we have our own kind of club, our Patreon club. And yeah, you get bonus episodes, access to early episodes of Bidwabask and some other goodies. So uh, yeah, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask if you want to help us out. That's right. And if you want to help us out without supporting us financially, you can uh, leave a review on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, and if you want to give us five stars and tell us how good we are or how shit we are, <laughs> that's uh, that'd be awesome. Ideally how good we are, that'd be nice. But Whatever. It's democracy, damn it. We yes. live in a society... That's right. Yes. Anyway, yes, Season 7, Episode 17, The Friars Club for today. And yeah, I have some notes on some secondary characters. Uh, Hallie, Jerry's episode girlfriend. Uh, Bob Grossberg, he's uh, played by Rob Schneider. Uh, Also Connie, who is Kramer's episode girlfriend. And uh, some notes on Pat Cooper and the Flying Sandos Brothers. Yeah, they're all the characters I have notes on as well. Yes, excellent. Anyway, it's Seinfeld isms, my man. Has anything happened in the last couple of weeks that's uh, been Seinfeld related? Yeah, so one... um... Uh, it was pretty standard. I saw a Seinfeld-themed T-shirt on a mannequin ah. uh, in a shop in Melbourne here, uh, which, you know, was fine, but not that exciting. But the uh, the one that I'm pretty stoked about is the weekend before last, so the, the Australia Day long weekend, which was last week. Uh, I was in the country, and I was at Barmer Forest, which mm. is up near the New South Wales-Victorian border. And my partner and I went to use the toilets in the in the forest, and because they're drop toilets, which for our overseas listeners are toilets with no plumbing, mm-hmm. just a drop straight down, a pit toilet, I think something, they're called as well. Yeah, something you don't want to fall into by accident. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. Uh, she uh, needed some toilet paper, uh-huh. and there was a gap under the 
uh, under the divider and I passed some toilet paper under oh, it. Oh, so you were able to spare a square? Yeah, I was oh, able good. to spare some squares. So you didn't run out of the other cubicle no. with all the toilet paper? No, like no, 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 no. Yeah. no, 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 and it didn't turn out that she was actually, uh, you know, my friend's girlfriend or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, I was pretty happy about that. What good. about you? No, nah, nothing this week. Okay. Unfortunately. Hey. Can you do? I guess I watched Seinfeld for this podcast, are you? Uh, okay. The best. <laughs> that doesn't really count. No, it doesn't count. Sure. No, we've been doing this for three years and that's definitely not a Seinfeldism no. in anyone's book. No. no. Seinfeld news. Anything happened in the last week? Seinfeld yeah. Related in the news? Yeah, a couple of things. So both are regarding new releases. So it was announced uh, a little while ago that Jerry is actually releasing his uh, new book. Mm. Comes out in early October this year. Sign language too. Yeah, sign language. <laughs> um, it, it is actually the follow-up to sign language, which was released, I think, in 92, 93. Just you gave me a copy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've got one or two still at home. Nice. I see it in op shops and stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, it it's is a rare actually, item. Yeah. It <laughs> no, is actually no, a follow-up to that. Uh, and uh, it's, as he had untitled, no real uh, information about what it's going to be about. But some rumors uh, suggest that it might be about the evolution of his stand-up. Mm. Which kind of lines, it sounds like a book version of the uh, special that he had on Netflix, which, you know, traced his earlier history. Jerry uh, before Seinfeld. Yeah, we did a yeah, review yeah. on that, like, what, three years ago? Two, two years three ago? years ago. Yeah, 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 a while ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go back and listen to that if you want to. <laughs> If you want to. If you want to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to see us before Seinfeld. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> before 2020. <laughs> Bieber bars before 2020. That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, when that comes out, well, when that's uh, closer to coming out, I'll have some more information down the line. Very good. Uh, the second bit of news is a new film uh, that stars Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell uh, premiered uh, last week at the Sundance Film Festival. It's called Downhill and uh, comes out in a couple of weeks on February 14 to be exact, um, which will be around the date you'll hear this. Uh, if you're not listening to mm. us on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, it is about being scarred by an avalanche during a family ski vacation in the Alps. Mm. Uh, a married couple is thrown into disarray as they are forced to reevaluate their lives and how they feel about each other. So I think the avalanche causes some sort of tragedy in the family. Yeah, yeah. And it sort of pushes them all apart and, yeah, causes a bit of turmoil. And so they've got to get back together. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but apparently it's sort of a kind of similar to... Uh, what was the movie we did with JLD and... Oh, and, that, Enough Said with enough uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah, like a bit well. of a dramedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like... Uh, but the stakes sound a bit higher than, than uh, said, <laughs> Much you know? higher, yeah. I mean, the whole family's at stake, yeah. goodness me. Exactly. Yeah, so a couple of new releases to look forward to, one in the short term and one uh, towards the end of the year. Ah, there you go. So something to look out for when it's on Netflix. Indeed. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. All right, let's do a quick plot synopsis for The Friars Club of Season 7, Episode 17. This one first aired in the US on March 7, 1996, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by David Mandel. In this one, Jerry, he has a hard time getting members in the Friars Club when the Flying Sandos Brothers, they're played by the real-life Flying Karamazov Brothers, uh, take his jacket during the show. Meanwhile, Elaine suspects that a new co-worker, Bob, he's played by Rob Schneider, is faking a hearing disorder to get out of doing work. What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> I love it. He's just, he's really attentive when, you know, you talk to him about other stuff, but when it's to do with work or doing chores, it's like, what? Sorry, couldn't hear you. Yeah, I still couldn't figure out by the end of the episode if it was selective hearing or mm. it was just a coincidence that when work was being talked about, he couldn't hear. Well, I guess when we talk about him, we'll, uh, dive, you know, divulge and figure out what he, uh, whether he is actually deaf or maybe he's just partially deaf, but he's just, you know, 
Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Turns it up and turns it down. Turns it just like his hearing aid. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And um, some trivia for the episode, Steve. So uh, director Andy Ackerman, he apparently had concerns over uh, Michael Richards doing that stunt where he was placed in a sack and dumped in the Hudson River. Uh, Yeah. So apparently they did it in two takes. So it was filmed in a tank at Universal Studios. And just to be safe, scuba divers were in the tank uh, just off camera, just in case anything happened. Um, In the first take, Richards didn't sink fast enough. So they added 40 pounds to his uh, weight and uh, in the second take he was able to escape quickly and swim to the surface and yeah. uh, Michael's actually a registered or certified diver yeah that was that. that was a surprising part yeah. you know all of the safety stuff kind of made sense mm. uh, they they always you know go above and beyond when it comes to uh, actor safety yeah uh, but the fact that he's a certified diver was I mean anyone can be a certified diver I guess but yeah yeah it's uh, quite surreal yeah just a bit of a surprise a, a good coincidence I guess yeah uh, the only other trivia I had other than that was one that you already said, which is that, yeah, the Flying Sandos brothers are uh, a real, like, comedy troupe. Yeah, the Flying Karamazov brothers. And contrary to belief, they're not actually from Eastern Europe. They're from uh, Long Long Beach in California. Oh, Yeah, they're okay. Americans, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, when Jerry knocks on their dresser door and they're talking, I think, in Russian, mm. uh, it sounds fake. Yeah, yeah. You know, it sounds like a dodgy... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what you and I would put on if we were pretending to be Russian. Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um, as per the title, the Friars Club is a private club, and the membership role is composed mostly of comedians, and it's known for their risque roasts of members and celebrities. Uh, sorry, that's, that's my dog Farfel in the background making <laughs> noise. So sorry about that. <laughs> a bit more pleasant than the uh, normal Farfel noise. Yeah, that's right. More pleasant. Yeah, he's crying. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he's scratching and whining. He, he wants to come in and talk about Seinfeld. Yeah, but he'll just be all over the equipment and stuff. It'd be a bit annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, a bit slobbery. Yeah, as well as those. Uh, this is a rare episode where Elaine doesn't share a scene with either Kramer or George. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just Weird. Jerry. Just Jerry. Yeah. Jerry's yeah. like the connector between all three of them. Hmm. Oh, crazy. Anyway, let's take a really quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about some secondary characters from season seven's The Friars Club. Hi. Hello. I'm Beth. I believe you're expecting me. Yes. Please come in. Medea opens the door wider, allowing Beth to walk into the house. She looks around cautiously outside before closing the door. You have a beautiful home. Medea smiles as she looks at her feet, her face growing slightly red. The two women then make their way upstairs and into the lounge room. The Descent, a three-part audio drama. This psychological thriller is centred around Medea, a young woman trying to run from her past and forge a better life for herself. But the past is never far behind. Part 1, Medea, coming to you this February. We are talking about the Friars Club from Season 7 for Bibba Bask, and uh, let's talk about uh, Hallie, Steve. So uh, she's played by Samantha Smith. Um, She's most famous for appearing in the TV show Supernatural. She played uh, Mary Winchester in 37 episodes of that long-running show. Okay, I don't think I've ever watched Supernatural. Yeah, it's still going after like 15 years. Really? Yeah, I think it's like the final season this year, but it's gone since like 2005 or 6 or something. It's like really long-running. Okay, is it the same characters? I think it's the, the same, same two storyline? dudes. Yeah, it's like two brothers and they go... I don't know exactly what they do, but it's like the two brothers go on to like... Uh, are they like ghost hunters? I think like hunters, maybe, Supernatural yeah, mysteries? That kind of stuff, or maybe like supernatural detectives. Like, I'm not familiar with it, but uh, I've heard that it's been going on for a really long time. Right, yeah. so they're basically 
Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, basically. except no dog. Yeah, well, no, no bear named Mister Machine. No, that's right. No stoner like loser burnout. Well, <laughs> Burns out with him. Scooby Man. <laughs> and uh, she's also appeared in the films Transformers and Jerry Maguire. Uh, she's also appeared in episodes of t- uh, TV shows such as NYPD Blue, Friends, Criminal Minds, and The Mentalist. Now we do know Stephen that Hallie is Susan's best friend. Uh, she definitely sticks to her word. Um, she gets the jacket back from the brothers when she says that she would. Yeah, she seems like a very uh, together person. Mm. Um, and I don't think Susan would be best friends with someone who is like, say, Kramer. Mm. You know, who's just loose and, you know, lives day by day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she seems very organized and together, but mm. still not uptight. Mm. Um, she's kind of a mix of, like, Kramer's sort of lightheartedness, but also Susan's, you know... Uh, What's the word? Not conservatism, but like, yeah. you know, just very organized and 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 proper, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she just reminds me of like a more lighthearted Susan. And it's funny how um, it, it's another episode girlfriend of Jerry's who does nothing wrong. Yeah. She's actually got a great personality, very mild personality. Doesn't really do much in the scheme of things. In no, terms she of doesn't have it. Extravagant. No, she doesn't have an idiosyncrasy. No, no. Uh, but Jerry sort of weirdly is turned off by the fact that she didn't seem, quote, too concerned about the jacket. Mm, yeah. And it's like, well, what else could she do? She said she was going to get it back. Mm, yeah, yeah. She got it back. She did. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I think Jerry was a bit uh, childish. Short, yeah, a bit, bit childish and a bit short sighted in mm, this, you yeah, know, yeah. where I understand he was a bit concerned about the jacket. He wanted to become a member of the Friars Club uh, or just, you know, keeping their good books. Uh, and he was a bit worried that they wouldn't uh, let him back without the jacket. Fair mm, enough. Mm. But the fact that he doesn't trust Hallie at all is. I know, it was just kind of like, really, mate? Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it wasn't her fault. It wasn't her responsibility. Yeah. It was a really bad read on his part. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and first, you know, when they go for dinner, George, Susan, Hallie and Jerry, they all seem to get along really well and everything. And then Jerry just kinds of kind of gets sick of her. Yeah, maybe maybe he wasn't into her for another reason, and he just used the jacket as a bit of a uh, an excuse. Yeah, maybe. I don't know because it doesn't it it doesn't really match up. Like he's when he when he gets immediately turned off by someone, it's usually because of a very specific reason, mm. not because of something that they didn't do or something that he thinks they won't do when they've clearly said they will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just it seems a bit disingenuous. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think she she. You know, she could see that in Jerry, that it maybe is a bit shallow. uh, And she's just like, no, I'm good. See ya. Yeah, I'm good. See ya later. I've already got like a nice job and I'm enjoying it and I deal with cool people. And yeah, I don't really need you. Yeah. Mm. I think she seems like the sort of person who could attract some, you know, some really, really good potential partners. Mm. And as soon as she got a whiff of Jerry's just sort of superficiality and and shallowness. Yeah. And I would dare say... Almost like a mild form of callousness. Callous, you know, oh, was, callousness. Yeah, okay, that's a bit rough. I mean, very yeah. petty. Yeah. Um, and just, I'm, like, if he wasn't into it, fine. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. But to sort of, like, make her feel bad for something that she hasn't even not done yet. Mm. You know, like, if she said, oh, I'm going to get your jacket back, and then she doesn't, and he gets a bit upset by that, fine. Mm. But she's clearly said, and she knows the Flying Sanders brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's there, basically well, she's, the tour manager. I'm guessing the tour, yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. you, like, what kind of job does she do? I'm, I'm guessing well, it's like she, tour manager or maybe venue manager, you know, for the theatre or something. Well, I think when they're in the uh, the, the theatre, uh, you know, the seats, like whatever yeah. you call the balcony, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think she says, it's like sort of mixed in with all the rest of the conversation, I think she says something about doing their tours in Europe or something. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, so she's she must be their manager. She's travelled the all around the world, yeah, yeah, to be their manager. It, yeah, it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, 
because of that, I think she meets a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. Um, what a really interesting gig, yeah. <laughs> being a manager of the Sandos brothers. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think she just gets a whiff of who Jerry really is and goes, no, nah, see you later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think she, she made the right call, and uh, Jerry lost out on someone who would have been really cool. She works in showbiz, yeah, yeah. so she would understand some of the struggles, and her lifestyle would kind of match Jerry's as mm. well. Yeah, someone. Yeah. I mean, even Jerry says, you know, she could be the one. She could be the one. You know? and, yeah, and as, of course, because if she had to go to Europe or Asia or something for a tour, Jerry would understand. Yeah. Because they He's, understand it, schedules and locating or going to places to do gigs. Yeah, so like Jerry's sense. not an... In, at this point in uh, the Seinfeld universe, Jerry is not a, well, commonly an, uh, an international comedian. He might go, you know, for a gig here or there in mm. the show. Yeah. Uh, so, they're, they're, where they tour is different, but mm. just the fact that the lifestyle means that you've got to be on the road at some point. Yeah, for sure. It would have been awesome. Mm. Uh, maybe the fact... I'm just trying to think, as I'm talking, I'm just thinking what would be another reason Jerry might have broken up with her aside from the jacket. Mm. Maybe he didn't like the fact that uh, her and Susan were best friends. Like maybe it was too close to home. You know what I mean? Like, you know how they say, not you don't shit where you eat, but like Mm. maybe he wanted some sort of distance between them. Yeah, someone who's not a mutual friend of Susan's and George's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it can, not that there was any baggage that we saw, but you know, it can make things a bit more complicated mm. when there's a pre-existing relationship yep. and the dynamics already set. Mm. Uh, I can understand maybe being a bit apprehensive about that, yeah. but the fact that he wasn't—if you know—if we're just assuming that that's maybe what uh, made him break up with her or not be into her anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's just really shallow and just short-sighted. Yeah. He, you know. Yeah, I think just, she would have been good for him for sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was obviously into him because when they were. Um, uh, speaking to the um, maitre d' at the restaurant mm. at the Friars Club, yeah, you know, um, he says, "Oh, how embarrassing!" Oh, what she say? She's like, "Oh, how embarrassing for you!" And he's like, uh, "You know, you just bought yourself your, your own dinner or something." Like yeah, that. So yeah. they're already That's like flirting. There's always yeah, yeah. there's already a bit of good rapport there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So they're obviously into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just he, he just, just cooks it. He just cooks it. Yeah. Oh well, well he ends up having. Jacket. Yeah. Well, he ends up having several like, girlfriends. After yeah, that, so. yeah. It's it's not like yeah, it's not like he put all of his eggs in one basket, but. A couple of weeks in a row now where he's had women who, uh, you know, are, are more suitable than previous girlfriends. And he's yeah. just gone, now. Nah. Oh, you mean like, like their episode two weeks ago? Yeah. The switch. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Sandy. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, his ah, loss. His loss. But yeah, he, she didn't really do anything else. I mean, there's nothing really that she stood out for her. No. I mean, she was just, a, I don't know, I guess they could have got anyone, you know, to do that role or just put anyone in to be the, I don't know. It's just, yeah, she yeah. had no, like, distinguishing features or yeah. idiosyncrasies yeah. or uh, distinguishing personality traits. She was just quite a, like a... Placid person, very yeah, mild personality. conventional, sort mm. of normal person. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what Jerry needs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Jerry needs someone a bit more grounded. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but she's obviously smart, obviously perceptive, and just went, no, nah, see ya. <laughs> see ya later. Too good for you, man. <laughs> Too good. Anyway, moving on from that, we're talking about Bob Grossberg. Now, he's played by Rob Schneider. He is an actor, an Emmy-nominated Saturday Night Live alumni, and he's a comedian, of course. Um, his most famous lead roles include stints in Juice Bigelow, The Benchwarmers, The Animal, and The Heart Chick. And also, for you <laughs> South Park fans. The stapler. <laughs> the stapler. Rob Schneider. Yes. yes. The stapler. The stapler. You've seen him as the animal. You've <laughs> seen him as the hot chick. <laughs> um, and uh, Rob Schneider, he's also famous for making cameos in many films by Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah. He's, yes. He, he's usually the guy who's in the background saying, you can do it. Yeah. Do this. I'm just thinking of his uh, role in 51st Dates. He plays a, another animal. Uh, what are they called? Like a gamekeeper. 
Uh, like a zookeeper. Yeah. But he's like, oh, he's What's got some. Isn't he the guy who has like a marijuana store? Or he says you can um, put your weed in here. Now, what movie is that? Was it something else? I try and avoid Adam Sandler. Oh, films. yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Actually, I watched the other day. I Uncut watched Uncut Gems. Gems. That was amazing. I've heard it's really good. It's I do really want to good. Check it out. It's on Netflix now. Okay, watch it. I'll but watch it. It's good because like it's not a movie made by Adam Sandler, or yeah. producer written. He's just acting in it. Yeah, and the Safdie brothers, the directors, are like did an amazing job. Yeah, it's I've, really I've seen a few bits and pieces, yeah. and I've, 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 yeah. I've, I know the storyline, and, I'm, and yeah. I know I like it. It's really intense from, like, end to end, so mm. just letting you know. Yeah, it d- yeah he's it a jeweler, he's in debt. Yeah. He gets, he gets yeah. a jewel, and, and everyone's just, after it and stuff. Everyone's after it. Uh, not just not after the jewel, but they're after him. Like, he kind okay. of, whenever he has the opportunity to, like, make pay his money or his debts back, he'll do it to try and get, like, a bigger score. Right. You know? So he just makes, he just constantly makes the wrong decisions. Yeah. And Classic. you're kind of like, oh, come on, man. You Classic know? gambler behavior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, really good film. Okay. Uh, but I'll no, Rob Schneider isn't in Uncut Gems, <laughs> unfortunately. But he was in Adam Sandler films, including The Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, Fifty First Dates, uh, like you mentioned, and yeah. Click, and among many others. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he Bob he joined uh, Jay Peterman's department from Business Affairs. Question is, do you think he got pushed into Peterman's place, or did he actually get promoted, or maybe did he uh, I don't know pretend to do work and then he got credit and he got moved on? I think it was just a, a normal, uh, you know, intra-company promotion. Okay. You know, maybe it was advertised internally. Mm. It was like maybe he's been in business affairs for a while and yeah. he wants to work more in the advertising copy marketing uh, area where, where Elaine works. Mm. Um, you know, more the creative customer-facing side as opposed to like the internal corporate side. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he's got a bit of a creative flair. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, he wants something a bit more fulfilling, mm. a bit less administrative. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go for that. And he got it. Something tells me like... Um, like the lady in the episode we did, what was the one? Oh man, the uh, lip reader, of course, the lip reader. Um, you know, she was born completely deaf. Uh, I think she was. Oh, right, she, was yeah, yeah. she was deaf, like the actress, and we assume that she, that her character was deaf her entire life. Yeah. I think with Bob, I think he was probably deaf, like later on in life, yeah. or maybe when he was young. Maybe he was in like an industrial, like worked in like factory or maybe something. Maybe he did like blue collar work to yep. start off with, and then maybe there was an accident and he became deaf. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, uh, regardless of how it happened, I think his yeah his hearing impairment came later in life because I think I, I don't know if it's the case with every deaf person, but from what I understand, that if, is if you're deaf before you learn how to speak, mm. or as you're learning how to speak, yeah, you know your speech doesn't sound the same as if you weren't deaf, mm-hmm. and his speech is like anyone else who yeah. isn't deaf. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and like you said before, before we started talking about his actual character, I don't think he's completely deaf. I think he's just you know, like partially deaf, yeah, like maybe I, maybe yeah. 80% deaf. I think he's probably, or not even, probably like 60 if that. Yeah. I think he's kind of like a bit deaf, but it's not quite selective hearing because we find out at the end that his hearing aid works. It's not just a prop. Yeah. But I think, you know, sometimes, I'm not saying everyone who has like a disability or a handicap or whatever, but, you know, sometimes you'll get, like sometimes I, I do that too, like when I need stuff, not all the time, but, you know, you might get someone who's got like some kind of handicap of some sort, but they'll kind of turn it up a little bit you know, to do things. Yeah. You know, like in Bob's case, I think he could probably hear, like he has to do work, like Peterman assigns him jobs. But I think he pretends because he's got the hearing aid. He's like, oh, what? What was that? Sorry. Okay. I can't quite. So you're trying to say that sometimes people will manipulate their own situation to elicit a bit of sympathy or advantage. Advantage. Probably not, in in Bob's case, probably not all the time, but I think sometimes if he doesn't want to do something. Right. Like if they said, oh, you just got to go to like the Super Bowl and represent us. Mm. Oh, awesome. That sounds good. Yeah. If he's like, oh, you got to, if Peterman was like, oh, you got to sort out these files. I need them at my desk by the end of the day. He'd be like, oh, what? Yeah. What? Sorry. Sorry. Can't hear you. Yeah. You got to call all these clients for leads. Oh, what? Sorry. Huh? You know. 
Yeah, what what surprises me is that like, you know, like dealing with that situation might be a bit more challenging if you're delegating him work, but just write it to him. Mm. Or write it on a piece of paper and be like, look, if you can't hear me, like, I'll, like <laughs> and then you're, he not writes- get, you're not getting out of this work. <laughs> and then like, he turns the paper around and he writes, what? what? Like what? <laughs> and what? he hands it back. Yeah. I'm also vision impaired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, yeah. Where's my glasses? Yeah. I can't find my glasses. I'm useless without them. Yeah. Um, and look, don't yeah. get us wrong. We're not saying that people do this in real life. No, no, of course you not. Know, I, I think whether you've got, uh, you know, com- complete able-bodiedness or any sort of disability or anything in between, mm-hmm. There are. It's a personality trait, not a disability mm. trait. I think yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. you would do that whether you had a disability or not. You would yeah. be manipulative. You would somewhat, but like not most people who do it, they wouldn't do it all the time. They wouldn't no, get no, overboard. No, 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 no. They probably do it, you know, once in a while to try yeah. and get something little, like Maybe. some little advantage in something. But you wouldn't put it throughout your day to day just no. to get what you want. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny because I can kind of tell. You know, obviously we know for sure he's not fully deaf, and we know for sure he's not pretending to be deaf. So mm. he's kind of some in the middle or maybe a bit more to the deaf side yeah it's funny hey if you notice when elaine walks into the office behind um bob and you know she starts pretending to be sexual when peterman walks past yeah you notice how he cocks his head Mm. when he starts hearing elaine so he's doing his work and then elaine is there starts talking and or i think she just walks in the room if you notice and then his head kind of looks up yeah it's like oh okay like very subtly but when he's in the bathroom with jerry and he could probably see Jerry in the peripherals when he was walking through. He could pretend so that he's enjoying his piss. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I interpreted that more as just, you know, sometimes you just become aware on the periphery that someone is in the room. Mm. You know, you might not uh, realize that they're they're talking to you, but you just you just get, you know, sometimes like if you're at your desk or something, like I'm just imagining myself in a library. If I was in a library fixated on a book, you might just you know, be vaguely aware that someone is behind you or something like that. Mm. You, even if they're talking at you, yeah. you know, you're so engrossed in whatever you're doing, you, you're sort of not paying direct attention. Mm. So I could, un- I could, I could understand a situation where, you know, he's doing his work and Elaine comes in and, you know, sometimes it's just a feeling like you have a feeling that someone is in the room and that's maybe why he looked up a bit and went, oh. but obviously not enough to pay attention to it. Mm. I, yeah. But it could be that he was fully aware that Elaine was talking to yeah, him yeah. and he just, Play dumb. Yeah. And and it was funny too because you know how Elaine's doing all that sexual stuff and then and there's that scene where Bob and Elaine are in the balcony yeah. and then Bob thinks, you know, maybe Peterman slipped them her word because you know how Peterman gives Elaine the ticket saying, yeah. oh, I think you two seem to have got along. Maybe he said something like that to Bob and Bob thought, oh, maybe Elaine's into me and Peterman's aware. Well, that's the only reason other than the fact that he may be a fucking rapist. Oh, maybe The fact too. that he comes onto Elaine so hard but and it, she yeah. very obviously makes it, uh, you know, she's yeah. like, I do not want you to touch me. And he's just, yeah. he just sort of pauses for a second yeah. and repeats again and goes for her chest. Yeah, he's like, and he puts like, his head in his chest. Yeah, and her she's chest. like, what it's the like, fuck are you yeah. doing? Like, and it's, it's funny. I love how there's that physical comedy where he like falls off the chair, like yeah. Michael Richards style. Yeah. It's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he just um, walks off. Yeah, like that. That was that was really, a bit weird. That was a bit yeah. me too ish, wasn't it? Oh, it was just, that was almost as bad as he took it out. Oh, it was. Just, <laughs> when we do that episode, oh yeah. man, that'll be that'll ruffle some feathers. Oh boy, totally. Yeah, it was. It was just like, what are you doing? Like, it. You know, sometimes. If you're in a situation, maybe you misread a signal mm. and you you know you go for a kiss and then oh, it's not actually what the other person wants mm. and they rebuff you and you go, oh, so, you know, you sort of, it's okay to make a mistake or to misunderstand a situation or whatever. But he just, he doesn't even like sort of put his, he just goes, goes straight in. in. Yeah, all in. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, so the only, unless he is just a completely weird, creepy raper dude. <laughs> 
or not rape her, but rapey. Yeah, that's, right. That's pretty fucking. That is full on. It's, it's if pretty you full think on. About like, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, know, like I've been in situations where you know when I've been single and I've misunderstood signals from from a person and I've gone in for a kiss or some sort of affection and they've rebuffed me and I've gone, oh shit, I've. I, I thought you were flirting, but you weren't. You were just being whatever. Like we all do it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. But you didn't I've, go in I've for never, a second never, try. Like no, that. I've never gone like. <laughs> I think this this person's into me. I'm gonna like put my head between her tits, <laughs> and then when she pushes me off and tells me to fuck off, go. No, she actually wants me to put my head yeah, between it. You know, like oh, that's... that that old terrible adage. No means yes. Oh. That horrible. I hate that. Oh, that that's the way that he thought. I think so. Yeah, 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 And the only way... She's playing hard to get. Maybe, Ugh, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, but I think... So, I, he adds I, a bit of a sinister side to him. There's a bit so. of, like, a rapey side to him. Yeah, it's Ugh. it's it was a bit bit weird. Yeah. But I think maybe he feels justified because of what you said. Maybe Peterman, you know, like, after work one day, was like, so, Elaine's pretty into you. Like, yeah, you know, that, I can, yeah. I can yeah. imagine him being like... I can like, imagine Peterman did that, and that's how Bob figured yeah. it out. If we assume that Bob didn't hear Elaine at all, if yeah. we assume he just cocked his head because he probably sensed someone was behind him, yeah. you know, maybe he thought Peterman was behind him, and he's like, oh, shit, I better, yeah. I better do some work. Yeah, I can imagine a situation yeah. where Peterman, you know, after his second or third day, new job, you know, Peterman knocks on the door and he's like, Bob, I would like to have a word with you. And, you know, and then during that conversation, he brings up the fact that he overheard Elaine flirting, and then Bob's gone, oh, she's obviously into me. Mm. Still doesn't justify how he acted at, yeah. the, at the at the flying centers. And exactly, and Peter, now that's terrible. And then, but the thing is, because Peterman tells Elaine that if she plays around with his deafness, then that's grounds for uh, grounds dismissal. for dismissal. Grounds for dismissal. So I guess Peterman probably thinks that Elaine isn't doing that just to you know. Yeah, upset he him. thinks she's sincere. She's sincere. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like when he stops and listens and he's you know he listens and, and like, she's like, and, and he just does that like that little like head cock is just like Whoa. just keeps walking and he's got his coffee yeah, yeah it's good uh, yeah uh, so yeah. so Bob Grossberg is a bit gross he's a bit gross he's yeah. a bit me too yeah yeah he should just be called Bob Gross Bob Gross yeah, yeah. sounds good uh, anyway Connie he she's played by Lisa Arch in this episode she was credited as Lisa Kuschel uh, she's appeared in four episodes of do 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 curb your enthusiasm. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, three of them in season 10 alone. So the latest uh, season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think she was in the second episode, and she's going to be in two later ones this season. Have you watched any of the episodes yet? No, I haven't watched them. Okay. But I've heard it's, I heard it's, I heard Larry wears like a made, uh, mega hat. Yeah, I just to like avoid, episodes. just for people to avoid talking to him. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> that's good. genius. That's, that's genius. Like using the mega thing, you know, that's genius. Yeah, it's just so people don't talk to him, especially, you know, he lives in LA, which yeah. is a very like liberal city. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, not many people in his position would wear a, openly wear a no, Make America Great uh, Again hat. Yeah. Have you uh, seen it? No, I've oh, seen I've okay. seen a few clips and like pictures and stuff, uh-huh. uh, but I just know it'll be awesome. No, it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what drives him to that point. I mean, we could just watch and find we out. We can but, just watch and find out. You know, out. where strangers are coming up to him and he's like, I'm sick of all these randoms coming up to yeah. him and he just, next day, he wears a hat. He wears a hat. That's something <laughs> he more Costanza would do. Yeah. It'd be like if, if coronavirus is incorporated in Curb, Larry would try and deliberately get coronavirus just to not talk to people. Probably. You know, just to be isolated. Yeah. He'd rather get sick with a deadly virus. Yeah, someone would come up to him and he'd be he'd pretend to have it just so people would avoid him. Oh, he'd wear a face mask or something. Yeah, or maybe he would just say Start he's coughing. got it or, like, yeah, just yeah. avoid me, you know, yeah, like yeah, I've got yeah. coronavirus, stay coronavirus. away or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, yeah, so Lisa, she uh, also has uh, been a main cast member in the third season of Mad TV, the oh, sketch comedy yeah. in the US. Yep. So, as we know, with Connie, she is in with the New York Mafia. I, I, I don't think she's part of the Mafia. I think she's probably like a sister of one of the people. Well, her brother's name is Twami. Twami. Yeah. yeah and, that's uh, right. when, she, when Kramer passes out, she calls... Uh, Tommy. Uh, 
She calls. Oh no! Tommy. She, sorry, she calls Tommy. She calls Tommy, and, and, and Tommy says, yeah. Tommy says to her, like, you know, why don't you just uh, call uh, Johnny? Or, no, call Joey. the cops. Yeah, call the cops. Yeah, yeah. And, and then like, Joey might the find cops out because Joey might find so out. So Joey's, I'm guessing, her boyfriend who's involved in the yeah. mafia. Yeah. So yep. so and Joey's probably like a real sinister motherfucker in the mafia. So she, yep. he'd probably like knock her off. Something you know, yeah, and some, probably Kramer. There, are, there, yeah. there are dark consequences. Yeah, definitely. Um, but obviously, because uh, her brother Tommy comes over and uh, you know takes Kramer, sticks him in a sack, and dumps him over the bridge into the river. Yeah. So Tommy must be in the mafia as well. Yeah, must be. Yeah, Tommy yeah. and his goon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I don't know what. Do, do you think maybe she's cheating on Johnny? And yeah, that's I why that so. doesn't want to. That's why she doesn't want to go out. Of course, that's why she doesn't want to be seen with Kramer. Yeah. Obviously, more you know because I think she cares about Kramer too. She doesn't want poor Kramer getting involved in all this and yeah. getting knocked off as well. You know, because obviously Connie does care for him. Yeah, you know, likes him a lot. And then Connie doesn't want anything to happen to her either. Yeah. Um. But it's funny how uh, how we find out in the end that she's one of Jackie's clients. Jackie mm. Charles makes that cameo. That's good. <laughs> so it goes to show Jackie will just represent anyone. Really, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it can increase his profile. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Put yeah. it on the, his retainer and, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we're assuming Tommy and uh, uh, Joey were both in the mafia in sort of like the early to mid-90s, like that was sort of like the tail end of the golden age of the mafia. Mm, yeah. You know, there would have still been a lot of high-profile cases around there. So, it makes sense that Jackie would want to represent someone with such a public profile. Oh, that's true. You know like I mean? Gotti like, or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I don't think Tommy uh, or Joey were like... Uh, John Gotti level of like fame uh, and, and, so. and power. I don't think so. But they they would have had some like public profile. Yeah. You know, like being, I think any New York mafioso would have, you know, some profile. Like people would know who they are. Yeah. And I think Connie's smart enough because she's been obviously involved in the mafia since she was a kid. I'd imagine she would have been born into a, like a family probably, yeah. maybe. And she's probably the daughter of one of the yeah, mafia her father was bosses in or something or maybe the consigliere or whatever. Yep. Um, she knows the game and she always seems to go to Kramer's without being followed. So yeah. she goes to, she probably knows the tricks or does, you know, she knows how to get out. Yeah, of she stuff. knows how to avoid She knows tail. how to avoid her tail and, and not be followed. So she, she, I think she probably lives maybe in another side of the city as well. She goes so. somewhere where, you know, in, in that side of Manhattan, she doesn't live or know anyone there. So yep. she just goes there and no one suspects a thing. Yeah, she might be, you know, uh, from Brooklyn or Queens or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she's got maybe. like a quite a working class Brooklyn-y Italian-American accent. accent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, whereas they live in Manhattan. So, um, yeah, I, definitely mafia. Uh, associated obviously yeah. yeah but like i said not involved in the mafia but like well women maybe now it's changed because yeah. their numbers are a lot lower but uh at this point women weren't allowed in the mafia exactly yeah. you know they could have been like they were complicit because they knew what was going on but they mm. weren't actually made members that's what i mean connie's complicit in yeah and what's going on she knows what's yep. going on she i'm sure she i'm sure she's done and seen some questionable stuff mm. but she's not you know out there murdering bookies for mm. unpaid debts and breaking kneecaps and robbing trucks and stuff exactly you know. and she's clearly shocked when the detectives come to arrest her for yeah. attempted murder obviously Kramer thinks that she's trying to you know because he fell asleep he's trying the Da Vinci method of you know staying awake <laughs> and you know she she's like oh, I didn't want to kill him obviously loves him or likes him a lot yeah so but what else was what you. else was Kramer supposed to conclude? Exactly. You know, if you just wake up being thrown off a bridge. Yeah, what happened? River, Maybe like, Connie drugged him or something. Yeah, you wouldn't be like, oh no, I think Connie's innocent because her brother's actually in the mafia and he came yeah. over with his goon and threw me in the river. You'd just yeah. be like Connie tried to kill me. Yeah, yeah. It's a fair enough conclusion fair to draw. Enough. Yeah, I mean, maybe he thought Connie tried drugging his drink or put something in his food. Yeah. You know, something to... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was his conclusion, which is I fair. But you're right. If you ended up in the river and you're unconscious and you woke up, you're like, oh, what? Well, yeah. yeah you'd be like, well, the last person I was with was Connie. Yeah. And then I woke up in the river. So <laughs> how can I fill that gap? Two plus Connie? two is four. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though that wasn't the case, his no. assumption was... 
are incorrect. Yeah. It's a completely reasonable and understandable assumption to yes, make that exactly. he tried to kill her. <laughs> yeah. But I liked Connie. She's only in a couple of scenes, but no, I yep. enjoyed her character. I said he tried to kill her. I meant she tried she to kill tried him. She tried to kill yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you mean. Uh, yeah, no, she was good. Yeah, she was good. Um, she it. was a yeah. bit stereotypically like Italian-American New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even the way she's like Tommy and like Tommy. Joey and stuff. Joey but, but, will find out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she was fun she was and fun. funny. Yeah, she was, yeah. Anyway, we'll take a really quick break, man. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Flying Sandos Brothers. And I've got some notes on Pat Cooper. He's actually a real-life comedian. He plays himself in the episode. Do you have any other characters after the break? Um, Oh, no, that's it. All right, we'll be back. Honey, can you move a little? This hurts. Cosmo. Oh, my God. Cosmo, wake up. Cosmo. Oh, my God. He's dead. Okay, welcome back. Uh, let's talk about the Flying Sandals Brothers. Yes, they are played by real-life American juggling and comedy troupe, the Flying Karamazov Brothers. And uh, this is the only TV show where they play semi-fictional versions of themselves. Huh. Semi-fictional, yeah. They usually play themselves on uh, talk shows, and they have been on a couple of other sitcoms as themselves, the Kazmarov Brothers. Um, but they've been performing since 1973, and they started as street artists uh, busking, sorry, in Santa Cruz. Sorry, not, not Long Beach. Uh, Santa Cruz in California. Yeah. Uh, before going on to perform nationally and internationally, they went as far as Broadway. Wow. So, yeah, they've done pretty well for themselves. Hmm. Yeah. What if they're still around? Probably not. Probably uh, I think they are, out. but they've changed lineups. Right. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. The guys in Seinfeld are a bit too old, probably, to do all Yeah, the probably in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Insurance no. costs are too high. I think. Exactly. they got to get, like, their sons. Blood. Yeah. But it's funny how, how I mentioned earlier in the episode that they're not. Like Eastern European, mm. they're American. Yeah. <laughs> they put on the accents. Yeah. So good. I thought for a second they were actually Eastern European. Yeah, but like I was saying as well before, when you listen to their like very dodgy and stereotypical Russian accents, they're just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Bolshev, we should do that. Yeah, Soviet Union, American capitalism. Yeah. Die slow death. Plutonium, yes. Chernobyl. Weapons, yes. Chernobyl, weapons, great plutonium. You die, capitalist peaks. Sorry to our Russian listeners, but that's how you talk. Yes. Yeah. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Um, 90s action, uh, 80s action films, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can talk about this. I think there's two main brothers that are prominently featured. The one who is at the door when Jerry opens it to try and find his jacket. And then there's the guy who wears the jacket in the Friars Club. Are they two separate? I think the two separate guys. No, that's yeah. what they are. Yes. So there's the guy who gets the jacket from Jerry during the show, and he ends up being the guy at the Friars Club performing, and that's where Jerry thinks that he has the jacket, but it's actually another one. Yeah. And then there's the brother who's at the door. Yeah. Yeah, he's a different brother. Yeah, that's right. Different yeah. brothers. So it's mainly the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And the other two are just like the the shit brothers. Yeah. The They're shit. like the young brothers. <laughs> the young brothers. Yeah. They're actually cousins. <laughs> not real brothers. <laughs> They're not actually American. Yes. They're Australian. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really Russian. They're Ukrainian. <laughs> oh. No, pretend, pretend Russians. Pretend Russian. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, yeah, the Santos brothers, uh, nothing really I can say about them. Like, they perform the stunts in real life for the show, and I'm guessing, yeah, they probably booked out a... The production company for Seinfeld probably just booked out a theatre and got a ton of extras in to yeah. do a show, like probably a five, ten-minute show. Maybe they did it for just all the, all the, all the, you know, it was like their Christmas party or something, and then they were like, let's film this and use it for an episode. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe they already were doing a show, the Kazmaroff brothers, and yeah. maybe the... The production crew turned up and said, hey, we want to shoot like one scene. Do you mind, you know, in addition to uh, doing a normal show, maybe after the show we'll, we'll do a scene for Seinfeld? Yeah, I don't think so because no? it looks too staged. Like, yeah. The cameras are in the correct positions. Right, right. You know, right. like when so – I think if it was 
they were just filming what was going to happen anyway. The camera work would be a bit more loose. Ah, oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like okay. It was too, so it, it was, was too. Pre, it was I, I think so. Yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. I, it was probably similar to their normal live show, mm. but they just had to incorporate some extra production to, uh, you know, make it TV friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I guess. Uh, yeah, but you know they're fine. Um, are you into this sort of like live theatrical like magic and just you know Cirque du Soleil? Nah, I'm yeah. not really into it. I don't know. I don't really. A lot of really... people like it, but no, I'm just not. What, I don't like it. What about you? Uh, no. I, I've never been to a circus. Um, I respect the skill. Yeah. Um, like a guy that I know, his ex girlfriend was a full time uh, like a. Uh, not a gymnast, like a trapeze artist. Okay, sure. I think, or no, yeah. sorry, a ballet dancer. I think. So, okay, something in the theatrical performance world. Yeah, um, and then he went into the circus. Uh, no, no, no. So that's his. This is his ex girlfriend. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, and and you know she travelled around a lot, and they just saw each other whenever she was in town. But uh, you know, like I, from what he told me about her, you know, her skill and her dedication was you know amazing. So you got to respect it on that level, but. Yeah, and as a as a punter, I don't really. I've I've been to a few magic shows, and it's just like <laughs> it just doesn't float my boat. Okay. I watch it, and I'm like, "You are very good at what you do," mm. but I don't. I don't. It's just not for me. I'm like you. I appreciate the skills, yeah. and I like the illusions, but it's just yeah. Yeah, not for me either. Yeah, I think it's like I don't know. This, I guess, this makes sense to me because I like heavy music. But I've shown people heavy bands that I think they might like. Because I like them, and they go, well, it's too aggressive for me, but I respect the skill of their extremely fast guitar playing. Mm. It's like you can objectively respect the dedication and, and and talent, but you listen to it and you're just like, it just doesn't doesn't float my boat. Doesn't so that's fly, yeah, yeah. So the Flying Sandoz Brothers, all that style of performance doesn't <laughs> doesn't wash with you. Not doesn't fly with you. No, I mean, I'd go if I got a free ticket. <laughs> if uh, yeah. Peterman offered me a free ticket, I'd go, just, but I wouldn't just, pay. Just make sure you're not on the balcony wearing a Fries Club jacket. Yeah, 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 with a vest. It's gone. Yeah, it's exactly. Gone. It, it'll go to get dry clean. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the final secondary character for today, uh, Pat Cooper. He's played by the real Pat Cooper, a stand-up comic and actor. Uh, he has appeared in the films Analyze This and Analyze That, as well as the 2005 comedy documentary The Aristocrats. He's still alive. He's aged nine. 90. Wow. Yeah, still going. Yeah. I really like Pat Cooper. He's just so, like, brash. He, and this is just like... And it's funny like, how you play... you work in showbiz? Yeah. Then why am I talking to you? It's funny. Yeah, it's why I'm talking <laughs> to you. It's just so good. It's funny how... I don't know if that's... I don't know nothing about Pat Cooper. Like, I don't know if that's what I don't really know nothing like. about Pat Cooper. I don't know nothing about Pat Cooper. He's, he's, he runs him like a character from, like, a Scorsese film. Yeah. He doesn't he? He's yeah, he's very, got that brash, yeah. no bullshit New York yeah. kind of accent. It's yeah. probably why he was in Analyze This and Analyze That, because it was oh, about mafia, yeah, you know, yeah, like... Yeah, that's true. But, he, but he's yeah. like... He doesn't come across as too serious. Like, he's he's just like no bullshit, very brash, mm-hmm. but he's not like he's not intimidating. And he, he thinks does... the Fries Club is an institution. Yeah, it's an institution. No, that's just my words. Not his. <laughs> it's an institution. That's a good word to say in a New York Italian New York. Get out of here. Get out of here. Institution. It's an institution. It's, it's inst- not for people like you. It's not for people like you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I thought he was really funny. Just how he dismisses Joe's like, "Do you work in showbiz? Then why am I talking <laughs> to you?" Like he's so ingratiated into showbiz that yeah. anyone who doesn't work in showbiz isn't even worth his time. Hey, like, Carney, why'd you kill Cosmo? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't kill Cosmo. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like him. And he's like, oh, the gypsies. Yeah. Like, he's very sarcastic <laughs> course, and rhetorical. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, no, he's... He was I, fun. He was a good ball of fun in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish some of his stand-up. Yeah, I wish we got more of him. Yeah, if he's like that as a stand-up comedian, be, I'd definitely be, be a fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, just like, yeah. oh, you know, oh, yeah, the gypsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gypsies, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, bring it back tomorrow. It was just straight to the point. No bullshit. Very like a brash. Scorsese film. Very yeah, brash. Just, or, just or, like, or I'll kill you. Yeah. You know? I think what I say and I say what I think. 
<laughs> yeah, he was a fun character. Yeah, no, I really liked him. Yeah. I wish uh, I wish he appeared in more uh, episodes as well as more in this episode because yeah. he would have been a fun, you know, character like once every two seasons to turn up for whatever reason. <laughs> if he was in the Diplomats Club, yeah, another episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I actually when uh, when when I went to watch this a couple of weeks ago for the first time for this uh, for this podcast, um, I got confused. I I just thought, and I was just like, hang on a minute, like this. This what something's off here, and then I realised that it was a totally different episode. Yes, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it. Any other uh, secondaries? No, no. Well, let's rate this episode. So, out of one hundred and sixteen episodes we have done, my friend, where does the Friars Club sit for you? Uh, number thirty-one. Thirty-one, quite high. Yeah, I ninety-nine like this for me. Oh, yeah, okay. this it was okay in parts, but a bit forgetful, really. Okay, yeah. Anyway, you, you liked it though. Yeah, no, I did. Uh, Pat Cooper by far and away the best part oh, for me. Yeah. Uh, I love Kramer as well when um uh when him and Connie are being affectionate on his couch and Kramer's like yeah it's like mm. oh yeah well Connie's <laughs> like what he says. Connie's kissing his neck and yeah stuff. And he's like yeah, oh yeah. this is very pleasurable <laughs> and he's sort of like yeah just talking to himself <laughs> yeah and, yeah I like that too yeah. yeah it's so good yeah no I really really like this but I thought okay. all the storylines are strong um yeah and just enjoyable all around yeah no fair classic enough. material but uh. I think there's no weak spots. Yeah. For me, like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't get around watching this episode again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was it was okay. Yeah. That's all I can say, really. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, any of the secondary characters appear on your list? Unfortunately, no. But but special mention to Pat Cooper. Yeah. Like before, yeah. Yep. I think if he appeared more in this episode or at least in one more episode, he'd be in my top 20. Yeah. But there just wasn't enough to uh, solidify his, his, uh, his spot. His presence. Damn. Anyway, good news, Stephen. I actually have some listener mail for this week. Oh, nice. It's a bit of a surprise, so uh, here it is. Cool. When you control the mail, you control information. So this listener mail, Stephen, it was actually vicariously done through uh, a podcast guest who I had on in Melbourne last week. Her name was Esther. Uh, she was, because I do another podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things called In Melbourne Last Week. That's in the show notes. Um, I interviewed uh, a cancer thriver. Uh, her name's Esther, like I said. And um, she was on my other podcast as a guest. And uh, she's actually friends with a listener of Bidwabask. Ah. But it's funny. Her, so the, the, her name is Diana, and she's from Peru. Oh, right, wow. so it turns out that um, the way that uh, Esther said is Esther spoke to Diana, and then Esther told Diana about the episode of In Melbourne that she's in yep. as a, as a guest, and then Diana's like, "Hang on." Is that Ivan from that Seinfeld podcast, uh, Bidwabask? And Esther's like, oh, yeah, he did say he did have a Seinfeld podcast. And then she goes, oh, I already listened to Bidwabask, but I'll listen to In Melbourne last week now too. What a strange coincidence. That is weird, isn't it? Like she's already listened. And Especially being from Peru. Ex- Peru, you know, oh, not, that's not, wonderful. Probably not. I mean, we don't we don't get many listeners. No, not many Peruvians. From, uh, <laughs> from, from Peru. Peru. No, so thank no. you. It's incredible. The fact is like, so, so Esther, who was on my other podcast, knew, already knew Diana, but mm. Diana already heard me. Through this podcast, what a strange already like two months before. Wow, and she's like, I'll listen to in Melbourne last week now. Huh. So there you go. So thank you, Diana from Peru, and and Essa for getting us in touch. Thank you oh, very much. Small world indeed. Small world, I know. So thank you, Diana from Peru, and uh, if you want to be like Diana and go through a mutual friend who might listen to my other podcast, or <laughs> if you just want to go the direct route and let it get in touch, uh, send us an email: bidwabaskpodcast at gmail We also are on social media and on Patreon at b i d w b a s c. My name is Ivan Pujoni. And I'm Stephen. And you can find me on my other podcast, like I mentioned a few times before, in Melbourne last week, where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things. And uh, next week, Stephen, we are staying with season six. And I think as we're doing the finale or one of the later episodes, we're going to talk about another club, the Diplomats Club. 
I love that one. Cool. So from the Friars Club to the Diplomats Club. Keeping it in the clubs. We get to see Earl. Earl Hassler. Earl Hassler. Can't wait. Yeehaw. <laughs> yes. And yeah, yes. And we'll see you next week at the airport in the Diplomats Club for another episode of Bidwabask. You take care. Friars. <laughs>